a hodgepodge of top secret, highly secure locations across South Texas. This is the play-in edition of the Spurs Insider, the podcast in which the losers always have to go home and play the lottery. I am your host, Mike Finger, joined as always by Express News Sports Editor Nick Talbot. B writer Tom Orsborne and fellow Spurs beat writer, the polarizing Jeff McDonald. And I just asked the room, is everybody excited for postseason NBA fever? Yay. It's all come down to this. Uh, you just took my what, you just took what, my lead from my advance. You just stole it. That was gonna be my opening sentence. It's all come down to this. And what exactly is it coming down to when the San Antonio Spurs, the local cagers, face off with their vaunted uh, historic postseason nemesis, the Grizzlies of Memphis? You know what? You make Speaking, that joke, but they've, pro- they've probably played the Grizzlies more in the in the postseason in the last 10 to 12 years than, 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 than they've played anybody else. We've made a lot of. I'm not. I'm not joking. Back back in the yeah. back in the travel days, we well, made a lot of playoff trips to Memphis. A lot of them. We've, we've, we've go ahead, Tom. Well, speaking of that, I was just wondering if you guys remember this. I'm looking at the uh, Grizzlies game notes, and they say this date in Grizzlies history, May 19th, 2013, the fifth seeded Grizzlies made their first appearance in the Western Conference Finals, falling 103-85 to the number two seeded. San Antonio Spurs, Quincy Pondexter uh-huh. led Memphis with 17 points off the bench. Yeah. Our old friend Quincy. I, I don't remember that. Uh, he was a uh, Quincy. Quincy was, um, um, I, I do. I don't remember that specific game, but, mm-hmm. but before, he was, uh, when, when he signed with the Spurs, um, what I knew of Quincy was that he'd actually done okay against them. In mm-hmm. games that were significant, so that that's not surprising to what me. Was, you know, he didn't what was the final? End up playing much with the Spurs. What was the final score of that game, Tom? Uh, one hundred three eighty-five. So yeah, Quincy Pondexter made a lot <laughs> yeah. of hay in the uh, in the garbage yeah. uh, garbage time <laughs> portion of that game. Is what it sounds like to me. There you go. I tell you what, I did there not enter this podcast room really, thinking we were going to talk about Quincy Pondexter today. That's what the kind of uh, curveballs you get <laughs> on the Spurs Insider Podcast. You got to stay on your toes. You're correct in that there is a a, um, a playoff history. We we've talked before. Long history. The the polarizing Jeff McDonald and I were having a conversation not too long ago about um, other NBA arenas that we've been to the most that I've been to the most. And Memphis is up there just because I tend to travel a lot during the playoffs and disperse play the Grizzlies in the playoffs a lot. And uh, so the, I guess the other dynamic here not just the fact these these two franchises have played a lot of games against each other but this year this series has been weird in that long long ago on opening night the spurs won at the grindhouse in memphis and then there was a back-to-back in san antonio where the spurs basically didn't even show up i think they were out of it both nights really early a combined how many points did they lose by 48 a lot uh, so is there really a home court advantage here? I don't know. 
<laughs> Probably not. I don't know. I, I'll, I'll be honest. I haven't investigated like how many fans uh, Memphis is going to allow into the arena for this one. Uh, knowing knowing what I know about Memphis and Tennessee, I bet they're really really stringent about COVID protocols. No, I'm kidding. Uh-huh. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I, I I bet Beale Street is just a COVID <laughs> haven right now. But um, yeah, I don't know what kind of fans are going to be in there. So if if the fan situation is what it has been, there might not be much of a home court advantage. The Spurs certainly have been better away from home than on the road or away from home than at home this year. So, um, I don't know. It, it, it's, it seems like that's not that big of a deal for them to, uh, to have to go on the road for this, but the big deal that they will have to deal with is, uh, Jaron Jackson is available for the Grizzlies. I'm not sure the Spurs have faced this year. You've got the always ever present, uh, Dynamo Ja Morant. Well, they will be repeatedly asking on defense, where is Ja? Um, and just a team that does not look like an ideal matchup for the Spurs to be playing in this one game to review for the viewers. Uh, and I realize you're not viewers, you're listeners. But the the winner of this game goes on to play the loser of the Warriors and the Lakers. The loser goes home and enters the NBA draft lottery. But uh, speak of this matchup uh, situation for the Spurs against the Grizzlies, Jeff or Tom or Nick or whoever. Well, it's uh, it's no longer the grit and grind uh, Grizzlies that we're so familiar with, of course, from playoff days of yore with Randolph <laughs> and Tony Allen. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, they lead the league in fast break points, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Mr. Morant. Had a field day against the Spurs in the in the opener, um, so it's a different different type of club. It's a good matchup, I think. I think it'll be a fun game. Yeah, there's a there's a Spurs connection, as there often is in no matter who the Spurs play these days. There's there's former Spurs coaches, players, assistants throughout the league, but uh, the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, Taylor Jenkins, was a former. Austin Spurs coach um, and kind of building like the jazz, like a lot of other teams kind of building in that Spurs model. And this could be, this could be at an, at a level of intrigue to this one. And one of the things, maybe one of the things that, that I don't want to say bodes well for the Spurs, but maybe is, is in their, in their favor. Um, you know, the really bad matchups for the Spurs, because they're not, the Spurs just, you're not going to count on them to make threes. They're not going to make a whole bunch of threes. So the, the Spurs aren't right. So, the, the really bad matchups for the Spurs are the teams that take and make a ton of threes, the Jazz, the Blazers, teams like that. Like at the end of the season, those were the teams that were just annihilating your local cagers. The Memphis Grizzlies are not a volume three-point shooting team. They're, they're down in the bottom half of the league in terms of, of three-pointers made per game. So that, in, in a way, that might, that might keep the playing field a little more level. Um, that it might otherwise be if if you're losing the three point line by twenty some odd points. So that's one that's one thing that might be in the Spurs in the Spurs favor. It might work in their favor a little bit. On the other side of the coin, where did re- review those those two blowouts in San Antonio? Where did the Grizzlies hurt oh, Lord. the Spurs in those two games? I was told there'd be no research involved in this. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it was just such an annihilation. Um, 
Um, probably the Grizzlies did get get hot from the three point line in those games, but um, a lot of it just comes down to John Morant being a, a, just an individual talent that makes everything else on that team go. Um, you know, he gets in the even when he's not scoring forty four points. You know, the, the, the Spurs beat the Grizzlies in the game. The Spurs actually were able to beat the Grizzlies. They gave up a career high forty four to Ja. So even when he's not scoring 44, though, he's getting into the paint. He's just creating all kinds of havoc for your defense and getting open shots for other people. Um, so it's it's um, like it's it's not a uh, hot take to say he's the head of the snake and and anything that the Grizzlies get done well, um, it's due to him. Also, I think in both those games, the common thread um, was the Grizzlies defended really well. The Spurs, I don't believe, got over 100 in either of those games, or if they did, it was just barely over uh, into triple digits. And so, and in the, in the NBA this day, in these days, it's really hard to win in the high 90s, low 100s. You've got to get well over 100 to really give yourself a shot. So, I remember back in, uh, in college, like when you'd have a – when the professor would ask you a question, high school, whatever – and you didn't know the answer to it. If you just talked for a long time, sometimes you could fake your way through it. <laughs> and I feel like that's what Jeff just did. And and not to uh, embarrass the polarizing Jeff McDonald, but yeah. um, uh, both games that these these Spurs lost the Grizzlies in San Antonio, the Spurs scored more than a hundred points. Okay, so he got that part wrong, but he sounded okay. he sounded like he knew what yeah. he was talking let's go about. Back and, let's yeah. go back and erase yeah, that part. Tried and true. <laughs> <laughs> the other tried and true way to distract is is to turn the question to the teacher. I always like yes. that. Yeah, you exactly. Know, yeah, just uh, I used to do, we used to do that in our Spanish class at Lee High School. We would ask the our teacher was an ex football coach, and you could get him off track so easily by asking him something about his days as a football coach at South Sam. And, and once he took his glasses off you knew the rest of the class was over and he was going to reminisce for the rest of the day. So we, we can always turn a question to you, Mike Finger. Well, Jeff should have done that because right now I'm going to expose, because I quickly Google, uh, quickly pulled well, up the uh, box score from those two it. games in San Antonio. Not only did the Spurs score more than a hundred in both of those games, um, but My, the, the Grizzlies, I guess I'll give them some credit on this. Jeff said they probably hit a lot of threes. They did. In both in in one of the games they shot fifteen for thirty, in the other they shot seventeen for thirty five. Pretty decent percentage on both. Pretty good volume on both. Um, but it was not a maybe. This is something too, in that when the Spurs prevailed in their season opening contest, uh, John Morant, as Jeff correctly pointed out, scored a, his a career high in points. They let him go off handled everybody else. Spurs won in Memphis. In San Antonio, Ja scored 19 and 13 in those two games. So maybe there's something to be gleaned from that and that maybe you let Ja do his thing and uh, and try to not let him spread the wealth. Could that be something? Well, for, let me go back one Worth. second. Yes, you're correct. But uh, – I just was unaware I was going to have to know like play by play of games from January for this this thing you guys invited me to do at ten o'clock in the morning. You signed up. You you were assigned to do your one podcast a week, um, and on the week whenever the Spurs are going to play a an all or nothing playing game against a, an opponent that you've known for 
more than 48 hours now, and you didn't think that the history, recent history between these two franchises might come up? Well, yeah, and that's why I told you that Memphis uh, beat the Spurs by a combined 48 points in those two games, and that John Moran had a career-high 44 in the opener. I didn't know you wanted to know, like, how many points John Conchar scored in the series, which uh, in those two games it was seven. It was seven, by the way. I remember that vividly. The seven John Conchar points in the the two games at the AT&T Center. I I would like to point out to the the listeners – that if you're looking for in-depth analysis of the local cagers, Tom Orsborn also writes for the Express News. And so if you can go to theexpressnews.com and looking for just well-researched stuff about sports, about just what's going on in your region, like it's not just Jeff McDonald. Jeff McDonald, you can get the superficial who won, who lost, um, what he what he, what he what he felt about the pregame meal like that's cool there too. So if you want that, you can get that expressnews.com. You also get well researched uh, analysis information uh, from the rest of the the fine fine staff that sports editor Nick Talbot has that the entire newspaper has, and you can get it for a reasonable fee. And just don't judge everything by the polarizing Jeff McDonald. As, as, um, as Davy Crockett once said, I think, uh, I'm, I'm going back to bed and you can go to hell. I, <laughs> I think that's how the quote went, right? Uh-huh. Something like yeah. that. I didn't research um, that one either. There was no back door to the Alamo. Go ahead, interesting, Tom. Uh, interesting thing on the, on, the second, on the third box score from the third game won by the uh, – Grizzlies 133-102. Um, Tyus Jones, older brother of Trey Jones, Spurs rookie, uh-huh. uh, 14 assists in that game. Yeah. But even more interesting than that. I know what you're uh, going to say. Even more interesting than that. 19 points in that game, nine, Tom? <laughs> they had nine players. The Grizzlies logged nine players in double figures, including Who had 19? A force off the bench scoring 19 points on eight of 10 shooting. Wait, 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 wait. Don't, don't finish this. We're going to play does Jeff know. Gorgie Jing. I know this. Does Je- Good Lord. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jeff wins. But what a, what a game by that guy. What yeah, a game. Know, Spurs, and he's on our side. The Spurs now. better guard him well in this game. That's all I'm saying. The Spurs better guard him well. Yes. He's going to be the center of the Spurs defensive <laughs> game plan. Okay. Another example of – the San Antonio Spurs, Bain, Brain Trust, Greg Popovich, Brian Wright, R.C. Buford, um, during the course of the season, could have made any number of trades, um, any number of, of, of big transactions, but they knew well, all along exactly. that it was all going to come down to this, a single game against Memphis in which the X factor is taking the 19 points Eight of ten shooting, nine rebounds, one assist, one block that Gorgie Jang had against them in that last game. Move all of that to the Spurs side of the ledger, and the rest is just gravy. Or I mean, it was just did, like that brilliant move of letting Bryn Forbes go. Yes. yes. This is what we talked about last time. But yes, building exactly. plucking Bryn Forbes from obscurity, building up into a free agent that the Milwaukee Bucks would want, and then just torching Forbes when he comes back for all kinds of three-pointers. They played a long game around here, man. My, people people criticize day-to-day, but the, you got to keep the long game in mind. But what if Taylor Jenkins has learned a thing or two and, and from the from his Spurs days and Gorgie is a sleeper cell? 
Maybe he's okay, been he could be, but, maybe but he's, the, he's been the, he's been dispatched to uh, blow up this series for the Spurs. Ever think about that? <laughs> the counter to that. And have you have you ever seen like a really good spy movie? Like nope. uh, 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 there's no way Jeff has seen this, but I bet Tom, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy like that. You just making where there's all kinds of like double. <laughs> You're just making a double agent. Not a real movie. You never know who's on whose side. Okay, no. so the, so Jenkins has dispatched Gorgie Jing. T- uh, Jenkins has dispatched Gorgie Jing to the Spurs, but you know who plays for the Memphis Grizzlies? Kyle Anderson. How about yes. that? So yeah. whose side is he really? On? Well, but Kyle, Kyle Anderson is is playing well, right? But will he play well in this game? What's this? What, what's this movie? What's this movie you just said that you just made up out of thin air? That's that's completely made up. It's a very popular, but Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. It's great. I highly recommend so it. So give me like two sentences. What it's, it's, it's one of the, it's, Oh, it's about uh, spy stuff in in, uh, in Great Britain in the UK. So it's and you never know who's oh, on whose side. Colin, great actors. Colin Firth. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure you're not yeah. talking about Spy Kids? Uh, that was directed by uh, University of Texas alumnus Robert Rodriguez, who uh, also uh, did um, uh, uh, Desperado and uh, all kinds of good stuff like that. But yeah, that, that's a good one, too. I'm Tinker not sure Taylor, that applies to this one, but, you know. Uh, Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, also has one Gary Oldham. Yes, Oldman. Oldman, yes, yes. 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 Who, who played one Lee Harvey Oswald. Right. In the movie JFK. Uh-huh. And of course, Leah Harvey Oswald had a part in Spurs history, but that's that's for another podcast. Well, right? that's, yeah, that's for another podcast. Yeah. We, we don't need to get into that today. We there's a, there's another, like, I know we're completely down a weird, stupid tangent here, but that there's a, who's that? Act, are you, do you have the, the, the page up for that, Tom? Is it Sierra Hines? Is that how you say that guy's name? He's a great uh, actor, too. I think he was in Rome. Something like that. No, not seeing him. No. Okay. Well. Yeah, yeah, he was in the movie. I brought up the Wikipedia Wikipedia because I had no idea what you were talking about either. I was actually with Jeff McDonald for once on this. I had never heard of this movie. It's a great movie. It's from about 10 years ago. Great, I will, great. I will have to see if it's on Amazon or something or Netflix and watch it now. Just out of curiosity, interest. Because I've yeah. never heard of this movie either. I thought you were just making words up as well. It's called. I would never do such a it's thing. It's called Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo, or something like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, what, it's what I thought he was saying here, too. But I, I we're way yeah. off the tangent now. I don't even know what we were talking about. Kyle Anderson, I think. Kyle Anderson is a former Spur who um, is playing a, uh, a decent role. And I think to get it back to this game itself. Um, one interesting thing about this play in game, as opposed to the one that I, I guess will follow it on national TV. W- whenever you're hyping Warriors versus Lakers, which is that seven versus eight game, it's, it's LeBron James versus Steph Curry with the Spurs and the Grizzlies. Like you can pick any number of eight guys, nine guys who might be play the starring role in this. Um, and it, I mean, it could be a Kyle Anderson. It wouldn't be the most outlandish thing in the world to see Gorgie Jane come off the bench and play a, a huge role for the Spurs in this one. I, I doubt it, but um, there's nobody like DeMar. I guess it's DeMar DeRozan against Ja Morant is the is the shorthand way to look at it. But there's there's a lot of guys 
who can end up playing a big role in this. And and I am interested um, in in how this one game thing uh, develops over the next couple of days. There's there's the Eastern Conference on Tuesday night, Western Conference on Wednesday night. We we've never really seen this one game playoff type of thing in the NBA before. And I, I think it's going to be really cool to watch if I can be kind of upbeat and positive and genuine right now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like some of the, some of the players have compared it to, to a game seven and that's kind of obvious why that comparison would be there. It's, it's winner you're out. Um, but I don't think that's exactly right. accurate because when you get to a game seven in a series, you've had six games to figure out what's worked and what doesn't work and um, kind of feel each other out. The man checks out on that. And you know, um, when it's one and done, you don't you don't have that. You it's 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 like a it's what it is. It's a game one for all the marbles, and you know a lot of times, a lot of times uh, when you look at these these seven game series, the underdog wins game one. Even even occasionally in the in the one eight game in the in the in the playoffs, every so often the underdog yep. will win the first go on the road and win the first game. And the but the but over the course of seven games, the best team figures it out and, and wins the series. If the underdog goes on the road and wins um, the first game uh, on Wednesday, it's, you know, the Spurs move on and the Grizzlies are out. So it's, that's kind of, um, like you say, it is an interesting sort of, sort of scenario that we haven't quite seen before um, in the NBA. At the risk of putting, of assuming that Jeff McDonald um, did any kind of preparation or, 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 or is, Fully awake uh, has any basic <laughs> knowledge um, on this? Uh, are fully awake? W- weren't there multiple Spurs championship runs that began with a loss in the first game? I mean, of the playoffs? it sort of feels like all of them, <laughs> but I know it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. It sort of feels like all of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but you're 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 right that, that that dimension. I mean, this one you have to you have to be ready right away, and there's no. Uh, between games adjustments, there's no feeling out period. Um, think of how many games just during the course of a season, regular season games where, it, you know, one team or the other just looks out of it in the first quarter and never gets it back like that. You don't have that luxury in this game. It's got it's. I, I think it's going to be um, riveting. How about that? I still hate it. <laughs> <sighs> On, su- on Sunday, we had two of these games already. Then they would have meant more if we didn't have this playing game. We would have had, you know, the Wizards play the Hornets. If they winner would have went, would have, the loser would have went home there. And then we also had the Warriors versus the Grizzlies. We already we already saw two of these scenarios play out, and they just didn't mean as much. So now we get to run it back. But they, but you you add extra ones. Those games were inter- like the Warriors Grizzlies game was great on Sunday. So you get that because they're playing. There are stakes in that game. The winner gets into the 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 winner side of the bracket. The loser has to go to loser lose all. And now we get more of them throughout the week. I'm pro playing. Also, and I brought up this before on this podcast. Um, I just think it makes the 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 tanking question more irrelevant than it already is. Because there's no way that in the Spurs situation, they should have even considered trying to lose games on purpose at the end, even though they did go, what, two and eight to finish, two and 10 to finish the season. Because mm-hmm. the worst thing that happens, you get into this play playing game and you lose when well, you're still in the lottery. I, I think it's a great way to avoid teams 
making that decision to not make the eight seed, which I think is probably the worst situation the NBA could find itself in when a team, when a team doesn't want to make the playoffs. Um, it, ju- it just lessens that incentive. I think that's a good thing. I, um, I will give, I will give you that point that it probably does limit tanking a little bit. So maybe that is a good thing. Cause there were way too many teams that were tanking just yeah. if you, re- you know, not cause they didn't think they were going to make the eight seed or they didn't want to make that eight seed. So it probably does limit that. You know, I'm just anti-tanking or anti-playing because we already had two of these games. I think, sorry, sorry, Spurs fans to say this, but I think the best eight teams in every league are with one through eight. And I think they proved it through the course of 72 games. And especially they proved it with the Warriors beating the Grizzlies and the Wizards beating the Hornets on Sunday. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um but I, 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 I think more drama is good. And, and you even had the drama of the, the six teams trying to get into sixth, which never would happen otherwise. Um, that was good. I, I mentioned that the Spurs finished. I did add some drama. I, I need to add, ask Tom, because um, I know that he is prepared. This, this, what was the Spurs record after Derek White was out for the season? They finished two and... Two. 10. Two and ten. Two and ten. Final twelve games. Yes. Um, coincidence or is that cause and effect or a combination of both? Was Derek White that important to this team? Well, they they probably. I mean, down the stretch, they they lose the final four, so the last two games probably would have went the same way. Brooklyn and New York with Derek. Maybe they win the New York game. Just in general, rather than game by game, how, how, how important do you think that Derek White was to this team? Very important. I mean, yeah. I mean, you take away your top perimeter defender and you're a volume three-point shooter. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very important. Uh, although, you know, there's still, there's still 500. You know, just with the whole season with his injuries, if he's – See if Jeff agrees with me. If he's if he's in there, they finished five hundred probably, or or a little bit better. You had the uh, breakdown so on that not, too, Tom, didn't you? With the, their their total record, they were yeah, five hundred with him, and and eighteen and eighteen with him, fifteen and twenty one without. They were five hundred yeah. with him, but I don't think there was ever a stretch where I mean, there was maybe one stretch where he was healthy and in rhythm for a for a bunch of games in a row. So a lot of those eighteen and eighteen when he did play. He wasn't really right yet, and he wasn't playing. Sometimes he's on a minutes restriction. Sometimes he's just coming off a, off a layoff. Um, so, I, yeah, I do – you know, does he make a seven – what did they finish, 33 and 39? Does he make a seven-game difference in the in the uh, final standings? I don't know. But I, I do know just in general, like Tom said, he's very important to what the Spurs do. And it's just a matter of having a, a lot of good players. Like I had a, it was a while back, a couple years ago, that basically uh, it was when Steve Clifford was in Charlotte. I remember talking to him before a game, and he distilled. I mean, it seems obvious, but he he kind of distilled how to win a best, an NBA game, um, to to the barest terms. And it's that you need seven or eight guys to play play well. And if you if you have one of your guys out or two of your guys out that are in that pool of guys who expect to play well. It just lessens your your ability to find those seven or eight guys to play well. And the Spurs, you know, they they don't have um, outside of Demar. They, they they don't have an all star. They don't. That's that's a fair thing to say. They don't have an all star. 
So they're going to have to do it with more, um, you know, being being more than the sum of their parts. And when you take some of those parts away, um, it it's just it just makes it harder for them to figure out a, a, a way to win. And so you lose Derek for all the games he missed, and especially down the stretch. I mean, it's obviously going to have an effect. One of the, what was bigger, Derek being out or the uh, the the COVID outbreak that just just screwed up the whole second half of the season? Uh, well, I don't know. They're both pretty bad, it? and the COVID out, out, outbreak. I mean, yeah. obviously, since Derek included, was part included of that Derek too. in that as well. I, I mean, you knew you knew, like the way that guy was snake bit this year. You knew if there was going to be a COVID outbreak, he was going to be involved in it. He just had just a snake bit season. Um. But the, the COVID thing, it, I mean, that that had a lot of uh, uh, domino effect to it. You know, that it stopped the season right at the time when they were playing well. I mean, they'd started the rodeo trip 2-0 and 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 were really feeling good about themselves. And then they couldn't play for 10 days. When they came back, they had to play shorthanded because some of those guys were still in protocol. So they come back and lose a game to Oklahoma City, which, you know, that would be a game you would normally think they would win. Um, and then it postponed five games to the second half of the season, which created that scenario where they were playing every day or every other day and couldn't get any rest. And, um, you know, all that together really, really sidetracked this first season. I, th- I think if you take the, if you take COVID, uh, break out, if just by some miracle, they just played the schedule as, as it, as it stood. Um, yeah, I think there's a good chance they get to 500. And probably and could still be in the same situation, either as a nine or a ten or an eight seed. Probably, <laughs> um, we typically don't do uh, prognostications, picks to click on the Spurs Insider podcast because it would just make us look dumber than we already are. But since this is a one game situation, just want to go around the virtual room. Who is your pick if 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 the local cagers prevail on Wednesday? In Memphis, who is the who is the key player? Maybe not the the high scorer, but the key player that had a big game that lifted the Spurs over the top. In other words, who did the Spurs need that boost from? We will start with the boss, Nick Talbot. The boss. Uh, I'll go someone the more obvious choice. I'm going to go with Dejounte Murray. Uh, I just think they'll need his defense um, more than anything, especially. You know, you said in those two games where they lost, they gave up a lot of three pointers. I think protecting out there is going to be important, and I think uh, I think it's going to be Dejounte uh, making some steals on defense and getting this team moving. Um, I don't know if he'll be the high scorer, but I, I think he'll be the most crucial person in and shutting the Grizzlies down and possibly moving on to then face the the Lakers or the Warriors, which will be a completely different battle. Tom Ringo Orsborn, your pick to click. I think it'd be neat to see DeMar DeRozan come through at the end. Um, You know, I I think, uh, you know, when when we talk about no pressure being on the Spurs, I I disagree. I think uh, there's a lot of pressure on him, um, you know, wanting to get in the playoffs. And and, uh, I think he's going to come through. The polarizing Jeff McDonald, your pick to click. Well, I would be like to be on, Jacob, I'd it? like to be on the <laughs> I'd like to be on the record to say that the boss actually stole mine, so I'll have to pick something else. But um, okay, just when Dejounte plays well, they they tend to play well. But who's who who off who off the bench 
could could give a could give a boost. I was gonna go with the bench. I was gonna go with a bench player just to just to uh, as my like second choice. But I, I'm gonna say Patty Mills because yeah, you know this is kind of a game when it's a one and done. You know, you see this in the NCAA tournament a lot. You, you have a team that comes out and hits a bunch of threes, and all of a sudden that just turns the game on its ear. So if Patty Mills has one of the, he hasn't had he's had one or two in the last couple months, but if he can summon one of those five three pointer games. Four, four, five, six three pointers. Um, this, this, that tends to become contagious. The Spurs tend to hit a lot, and if Spurs hit a bunch of three pointers in this game, they're, they're gonna they're gonna uh, win it. It's not their it's not their profile this year, but if they hit a lot of three pointers in this game, they're gonna win it. And and Patty Mills would be the ringleader of that if he could just summon some of that uh, FIBA Patty magic. Do the for those of you who've done your research, do the do the Spurs have anybody on their roster or on their bench who? Um, who may have spent a lot of time in Memphis and would love to have a big one game uh, performance in that gym. Like does anyone, two of them. Two of them? Yeah. Uh, I, I was thinking more of Rudy Gay, like that would be cool. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we'll see. Like I, the, the, the point is there could be any number of guys who could play a big role and Memphis has the same situation. We're over our 30 minute mark already. We'll go a little bit longer because there was another minor story over the weekend. <laughs> a former Spurs assistant um, got enshrined in the Hall of Fame. Was any uh, just we'll finish with these. Any, anybody's impressions, favorite moments of the Tim Duncan uh, ceremony? Yeah, at in Connecticut over the weekend. Jeff, oh, are you, are you throwing it to me? Um, yeah, did you watch? Yes, I watched. You jackass. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I, th- I, I I missed being there. Like I thought, I thought that would have been fun to. Uh, that would actually have been a fun thing to cover in person. Um, but yeah, it was very um, like it was. It was exactly what you'd expect it to be. I mean. Tim, for all the nervousness he admitted to at the, at the beginning of his speech, um, he was always a good interview when he would submit to it, um, when he's had to talk in front of the entire AT&T Center, but at, both at his Jersey retirements and at, at Tony and Manu's. He's, he's, he's been a highlight. Um, and, you know, he's, um, he's got a good sense of humor, and I think that was on display a little bit a couple times in his, in his Hall of Fame speech. So, I, you know, the whole night was... It was a good night. I think San Antonio fans could be proud of it. I think it probably sparked a lot of nostalgia. You, you know, the the montage they showed of young Tim running and dunking and taking people off the dribble, and I, I think that probably uh, uh, warmed the hearts of of San Antonians everywhere. So, uh, all in all, it was a good, good, uh, good experience. You know, I, I think at the end, as we all knew, um, you know. Kobe's enshrinement was going to cast a pall, but I thought all the speeches were, were really great. Um, and, and, you know, it was a good night all around. I thought uh, Patty Mills had a great review, uh, authentic, genuine, no BS. And I would throw in efficient <laughs> in 12 minutes. And uh, I enjoyed Rudy Tomjanovich throwing out cojones. Yeah, that might have <laughs> been the highlight. And, uh, and, and just a quick plug for the Express News, uh, you know, the coverage by by my colleagues, Jeff and Mike, were, were outstanding. Uh, great columns by Mike and then a great uh, look back at uh, uh, Tim's, you know, formative years in the Virgin Islands and, and uh, by Jeff was outstanding. 
Thanks, Tom. Thank you. One of the it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the funniest line of the night or the most uh, emotional, but the one the one that I got the biggest kick out of was when Timmy uh, uh, shouted out our friend Tom James for what being always being in the line of fire because I hate talking to people. If if nothing else, he was honest. He was honest. Um, we might be out of time. Yeah. One thing I've been th- one um, thing I've been thinking I was thinking of I don't know during that thing and just after um if 22 year old tim duncan dropped into the nba today what would that look like like how would Mm -hmm. he obviously he would still be a dominant player and maybe the most dominant player well how would his game look different if he or would it if he was 22 years old and dropped into this uh, you know pace and space three-point shooting league like it's a good question and i'm sort of glad that he didn't that we got him when we did yeah yeah. Because he would have to be, he would have to be a, and by by we I mean basketball watchers, yeah. um, as a collective, not just San Antonio, but just it, in general, the fact that we got to watch that guy in his era, I think, was way better than if he would be in the game today. Because the game today, even though it's more efficient, um, uh, there's more analytics that goes into it. You know that. Players are playing smarter than they ever have. Like you'd have Timmy out there shooting threes, and he could have done it. Um, he would have grown up playing. But he would have grown up playing that, that way, probably. You know, and grown up right. handling the ball more, probably. Um, like I kind of think maybe he looks. It looks like what Joel Embiid is doing now, where he still can play with his back to the basket and have those moves. But um, you know, you also have to respect his three point game. But I do agree with you. I'm glad we got right. we got the version of Tim Duncan in the era that you know he was he was assigned, so to speak. That that whole mid range game would have been discouraged, yeah. by whichever team drafted him. When when Pop was asked uh, a week or two ago about Tim's bank shot, um, and and whether we'll ever see somebody like that again, he basically said no because it would have to be a three point. Nobody's going to bank in three points. <laughs> like Nobody's going to bank in three pointers other than Steph, he said. So yeah, I, I, I think that's a that's an interesting question, and my answer to it is is the one I get. I I, I think he'd be a different player. He'd probably he, he'd certainly still be a winner, the same type of leader. But I I think to close on the positive note that we always like to close on, be thankful for what we got when we got it, and. Uh, I think we all can do that, not just about Tim Duncan, but all of the wondrous blessings in our lives. <laughs> Even I can't keep a straight face <laughs> as I finish this. There was a, there was a review that Jeff sent me. Do you have it uh, off the whatever? Where, where did you get? I don't. Oh, I I I, uh, I might be able to find it here. Um, where Jeff says I that 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 I've I've uh, I've completely duped yep. the populace. Yeah. I can't I, I can't find it, but uh, 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 it has something to do. With- I, I can read it for you. I've got it. Do you want me to read it? Go yeah. Go ahead. All right. This is a review from. It's just some letters and numbers, but it's a five star review. Um, he, he, of our podcast. He, about our podcast. He titles his uh, his review important for personal development. He or she, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Uh Okay, so here's a review. Complete transparency here. I'm a Jeff. This podcast has provided me with an unflattering but important mirror for myself as I make strides towards becoming a Mike Finger. 
bless you all, even the Jets. <laughs> and my response to that is, God, you've got these rubes snowed, was what I was my text. Well, you know, I, even if I'm playing a role, it's a role that can be a role model for people. <laughs> So again, be thankful for, for what you've received, when you've received it. We received Tim Duncan at the perfect time to receive Tim Duncan as a basketball community, as, as just a, a, a citizen of the world. And there are things that you can be thankful for, including this fine podcast. And until we meet you again, I encourage you to take care of each other and to keep it real. By the way, be thankful for what you get when you get it is my approach to this podcast. So.